How's it going? This is Scott Fish. I co-host a podcast called the Commission Impossible Podcast with Ryan McDowell. We don't exactly go over player values or dynasty trades or potential or rankings or mock drafts, and we usually don't even have guests. We just like to talk about commissioner stuff, so that's what you get. You can learn about lots of different scoring systems, uh, interesting rules, settings, how to set up your playoffs, how to determine draft order, how to determine rookie auction values, things like that. Stuff that commissioners might be interested in, like rivalries or rolling bank rolls or salary caps. We also answer commissioner questions. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, check us out. It's a pretty good listen. You're listening to the Dynasty League Football Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Hope the draft treated you well. It sure treated us well here at DLF. Uh, We're excited to have these landing spots all in place. And for this week, at least, it's just the three of us. Myself, Dan Myler. To my left, it would be Matt Price. And to my right, it would be Ryan McDowell, the way I'm sitting. Fellas, how's it going? That's some good geography. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I had to think on the fly. I wasn't originally thinking I was going to intro it that way. Uh, Ryan, since you jumped in, how'd the draft tree in? And what do you think of just everything overall? Oh, it's, it's always the best weekend of the year for Dynasty players. It was... Uh, it was a lot of fun to take it in to see all the uh, all the landing spots, the draft capital, certainly some surprises in there, and we'll get to some of those. Uh, but it's it's just another wrinkle to wrap into our uh, into our dynasty portfolio and try to figure these things out this off season. So yeah, it was a it was a blast. That portfolio got messed up just a little bit with a few of them, and we will get to them. Matt, what do you think? How the uh, how the draft treat you? You know, I, I'm, I've gotten past the denial stage. I'm kind of processing, letting everything settle a little bit. Don't get me wrong. It was a really fun night. I got to be on the Shotcast with all those crazy guys. Um, but honestly, I find myself kind of sad uh, going through the first round and some of the landing spots that we found. So, uh, But, you know, I'm coming to terms with it and uh, ready to figure out uh, what we're going to do this season with our rookie drafts. Yeah, overall, there's usually plenty of disappointment when it comes to the draft and, and how it translates translates over to dynasty there's always a lot of bad landing spots or at least landing spots that aren't perfect like we were hoping for going into the draft uh i felt the same as you two and we will get to each of those landing spots as we go along through the program we might as well dive right in fellas matt before we get to anything uh or any specific player i guess we'll start with the running back since that position seems to caused so much uh, grief throughout the dynasty com- community, especially since the draft. Which which tailback had the best landing spot for you? You know, it pains me to say it because I'm not a fan of Ronald Jones, or at least wasn't in the pre-draft process, but I, I don't know how you can argue with that Tampa Bay spot as the best landing spot uh, for any of the, the first, or sorry, the, the, the running backs that we thought of as a first-round pick uh, in our dynasty rookie drafts. You know, there's only Peyton Barber there, and as much as I love Peyton Barber, he's he's probably no competition for any of the backs drafted in this class uh, at the top there. So uh, while I'm not a big fan of the player, I'm going to take a long, hard look at that Tampa Bay landing spot for Ronald Jones there. Yeah, I, th- that was the one I kind of had highlighted as well. It, you know, going into the draft, the evening of the draft, I started thinking about it big picture. picture and it kind of, you know, the, the horrible movie draft day where the GM... Stop of, it. You're hurting of, my feelings. I love that movie. <laughs> of the Browns was uh, sitting in his kitchen before on the morning of the draft and wrote a note and put it in his pocket I, I I thought of that and thought what would be the thing that I would put in my pocket and the thing that I would have wrote on that little piece of paper and put in my pocket is whoever lands in Tampa Bay if it happens early in the second round because I thought that landing spot was just prime and that land that landing spot belongs now to Ronald Jones so he has jumped around my overall rookie board 
Uh, he's gone as high as three, all the way down to eight, and now is somewhere in the middle. Um, I read a lot of different opinions, Ryan. I imagine you fall somewhere in the middle as well. Uh, where do you have Jones, and what do you think of his upside in Tampa Bay? Yeah, I think this is going to be it, – it's going to be fun to – get into some of these rookie auctions and rookie drafts that, that we all have coming up. I know a lot of them have already started with the draft over now, but for me personally, Jones is a guy that I was not a big fan of heading into the draft. Uh, another example of that was Royce Freeman. I had questions about both of those guys. Um, they were just outside of the first round range uh, of my pre-draft rankings, but I love the landing spots for both. Uh, the draft capital for both is, is certainly good as well. So it's really going to um, it's really going to challenge me, and I think challenge a lot of dynasty owners. What we're really going to value? Are we going to value landing spot and draft capital? And, and so many people do. Are we going to value that pre-draft um, you know pre-draft valuation or, or thoughts analysis we had about a player? I mean, personally, I'm I'm no scout. I end up just listening to a lot of other people that that I respect a ton, plenty of the people that we've had on the show over the past few weeks. So for both of those guys, you can't help but move them up, up your, your rankings in this type of situation. Um, I'm still a little hesitant. Um, some of the players that I, I do believe in more that I don't necessarily think had, had bad landing spots, and, and we'll get to those as well. Are, are still above Jones and, and Freeman. But for Jones, I think I have him, uh, I think I have him eight or nine overall in, in my wow. ranking. So at that point, I'm probably not getting him in my dynasty rookie drafts, which, which I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to get him in a few places and cause I have a couple of picks in the five to six range, uh, all of which I traded for. I never earned those kind of draft picks, right, guys? Uh, of course not. <laughs> Jones was number eight leading in, in my rankings, leading into round one of the NFL draft, and he certainly moved up for me. But let's move on to some of those other drafting or those other landing spots. Ryan, did you have a favorite landing spot among those running backs? Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. It was Jones for me as well. Um, again, kind of like you, Dan, whoever – Tampa Bay landed and it seemed like they were linked uh, so much through that pre-draft process to Darius Geis that I, I was almost just envisioning him as a Tampa Bay buck already and and of course we know it didn't go that way but I, I'm excited to see what Jones can do there. How about going the other way is there is there a bad landing spot one that you really cringe when you when you saw that pick put put up on the board? I, I mean I know some people had had issues or concerns with Sony Michelle going to New England uh, Nick Chubb going to Cleveland. I, I'm not personally too worried about each of those. I mean, my uh, kind of my mentality or my thinking about it is, uh, especially in New England's case, you know, that's that's a smart franchise. They're taking a player in the first round. They're going to use him. I'm I'm not too concerned about the uh, the committee that we've seen over the past few years. Michelle is is certainly the the most the running back that they've invested the most in um in, in several years whether you want to think about a contract or a draft pick either way uh and and then in Chubb's case I, I'm just honestly just not scared of Carlos Hyde he hadn't been able to stay healthy he hasn't put together a a, a fully successful season really in his entire career so I, I think Chubb can overtake that one so the guy I would look at would be all the way to day three um a, a player a little bit further down the ranks initially and, and certainly way down the ranks now, uh, Mark Walton from Miami landing there behind in Cincinnati behind Joe Mixon behind Gio Bernard, uh, a couple of players that I, I still like quite a bit. Walton feels like uh, almost a guy that might not be draftable in, in a lot of uh, dynasty leagues. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I, I cringed at that one as well you know drafted in the fourth round that that's not necessarily bad as as far as draft capital goes but when he's when he's behind those other tailbacks that certainly hurts matt i imagine you're going to go to your guy john kelly as, as a tough landing spot that's that's where i would have gone for sure having to wait till the sixth round is one thing but then landing behind arguably the best running back uh, in, in football and, and probably the, for sure the best running back in, in dynasty, in my opinion. Uh, what are your thoughts on Kelly? 
Yep, that was that was my go-to for sure. Just watching him fall and watching him fall and watching him fall and watching guys like Mark Walton getting drafted ahead of him and guys like Kalen Balaj getting drafted ahead of him. Guys like Naheem Hines getting drafted ahead of him. No offense, Naheem Hines, but I don't think you can hold a candle to John Kelly on the football field personally. But, uh, yeah, that was a really tough one, you know. Uh, but but uh, it didn't happen last year, but Gurley has had a, a small amount of injury history there with that with that knee. So I, I don't think it's out of the question that Kelly can have some value don't in Dynasty Leagues. <laughs> I don't want to jinx Gurley. Get me, don't get me wrong, please. Uh, but if for some reason he did go down, I think uh, Kelly would do, would do very well there. It's just that, you know, if they've shown that they want to give everything – uh, basically everything to Gurley. They they flirted with having Lance Dunbar there and Benny Cunningham, you know, catching balls out of the backfield, but they just weren't really any consistent value there, um, whether it was injury or just Gurley was too good. So uh, I kind of feel like Kelly's going to f- feel the same kind of kind of treatment there. Malcolm Brown's still there. I think Kelly's probably better than Malcolm Brown, but he's there, and we know the Rams like him. Um, so uh, it's, it's going to be tough for Kelly owners. I, I'm still probably going to end up with him on a lot of teams. Hopefully this just means I get him a lot cheaper than I would have originally. Yeah, I'd say he's probably pushed down to the third round in a lot of drafts now, uh, and that could be a great value for a guy like you who's a big fan of John Kelly. Uh, Matt, let's go hit the rewind button just a little bit and go back to who Ryan was talking about earlier. Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, those guys right around the one-two turn in the NFL draft. What are your thoughts on those two landing spots? Because I know a lot of dynasty owners are racking their brain trying to figure out where to value these guys. Yeah, Michelle is tough for the reasons we talked about with New England. I, I kind of feel like what Ryan said and that, you know, they drafted him that high. They're going to use him. There was a report, I thought, pre-draft, just before the draft maybe, that there was some kind of, kind of bone-on-bone issue in one of his knees, but apparently that's not really a big issue for NFL teams if someone's really still able to take him in the first round there. So uh, I like Michelle just fine with that landing spot. And then Chubb, I, again, I agree with Ryan. Like, I'm not afraid of Carlos Hyde. There's, I think there was a little bit of rumors today that he might even get traded. Um, and, and it would just be Chubb and Duke Johnson. I think that would be a pretty excellent backfield for Baker Mayfield to work with. You know, I don't worry much about Hyde. The, the, the guy I worry a little bit more about is is that pass catcher back there, Duke Johnson, and, and taking away those opportunities. I know Nick Chubb isn't known as that great flashy pass catcher or anything like that, um, but anybody who knows anything about watching college running backs uh, t- talks about Chubb that he has the potential to be that pass catcher and contribute in that in that part of his game. I, I would have liked to see him land somewhere where he could see that and dynasty owners could, especially in PPR leagues, get those little bonuses. I'm maybe not not as I'm not looking at Nick Chubb with quite such rose-colored glasses as you guys are. He's moved down my ranks just a little bit. He's certainly outside of the top four, which which according to Ryan's latest ADP, which he's gathering right now, he, he's going a lot higher than that. So he's probably the guy that I'm not going to see much of. Let's move to the top of those rookie drafts, fellas. Ryan Barkley... He went second overall, prime landing spot to the Giants. Is there anything else to add about Saquon Barkley and and his upside? No, I I really don't think there is. I mean, for him, it's more of a conversation of how are you going to value him versus the players that are already in the NFL because he's so far and away the, the easy pick at 101. So the question is, in rookie drafts, do you want to trade that pick? Uh, do you want to just get him on your roster and, and then go from there? Uh, I think a lot of times we see rookies end up having less value once you actually get them on your team. So, for example, you might be able to trade the 1.05 for a certain amount, but once you draft the player, uh, that type of trade might, might not still be available. I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case this time, whether you're trading the 1-1 or you're uh, going to go ahead and put Barkley on there and, and then consider moving him later. I mean, he's essentially being valued as a, a top eight dynasty player overall already. Yeah, whether you're a rebuild or, or a championship contender or something in between, Saquon Barkley fits on that roster. So I don't, I don't know if we're going to see a lot, of, a lot of moving and shaking when it comes to Barkley, especially now that he's landed in New York uh, with the Giants and all those other weapons. Let's just blast right past that, Matt. When, when I was watching the draft, Ryan and I were watching together, and when the 27th pick came and Seattle was on the clock and, and the uh, selection was announced, 
Ryan's eyes got about as big as golf balls, Matt. What <laughs> did you think when they said Rashad Penny at 27 overall to Seattle, the second tailback taken? The very first thing I said on the Shotcast after he was drafted was that they just drafted another player that can't protect Russell Wilson because he's been he's been clowned as kind of the worst practice projector in this draft. And, and guys like L.A. Chris have said he's the worst that, he's, that they've ever seen at pass protection. So uh, I'm not sure how Russell Wilson feels about that. You know, maybe... Maybe their offensive line has gotten better or gelled this offseason. I don't know. It's just that's got to be frustrating for a quarterback that just wants a little bit of time to throw the ball. Um, and with that offensive line being bad, it's going to be a different game for Penny, honestly, because if you watch any of his, any of his film this offseason, well, uh, he ran through some pretty giant holes, and I don't think those holes are coming from that Seattle offensive line. So I have very mixed feelings about this landing spot. I really like the player, but I just I don't know. I don't know how it's really going to work out behind that line. And if he can't protect Wilson, you know, at least in the past they've had guys back there that once the line has failed, that the running backs have been able to do a little bit, at least get in the way or something. And Penny has, has demonstrated multiple times. There was one game, I, I forget the, the game off the top of my head now, but there was one play I remember where two defenders were coming at the quarterback and – Penny decided to try to split them and, and block both and then and block none of them, and the quarterback just got killed. So uh, that's going to be a real concern, but Pete Carroll's come out and said that he's a three-down back for them, so I guess they're going to work it out, and, and they'll figure it out. I'm sure Wilson will, will yell at him a lot, and, and they'll figure it out, but I'm really mixed on that landing spot. I think a lot of people have him as their second or third off the, off the board overall, like the 102, 103 right now, and I don't know if I feel that strongly about it. I think if I was in that spot, I would probably try to try to trade down, and, and you might even still get him later after that after that point so these next these next like four or five backs after Barkley are kind of in a big kind of a big mess right now for me and I think my rankings there are going to be pretty fluid most of the offseason until we find out more about how they're fitting within teams so um, if I have anything but the 101 I'm probably looking to trade down out of those guys and just take the, the last one that's available oh preach Matt that that all sounded perfect to me you, initially when Penny was drafted I thought wow draft capital Seattle has shown in the past that they're willing to give one tailback a a lot of the work uh and that all sounded really good to me but the more time that has come between the draft and now the more i keep walking penny down the board i mentioned earlier that jones is moving up well penny's the guy that is probably moving down i i like to see people take rashad penny in rookie drafts because that's pushing another player to me ryan what are your thoughts on penny in that landing spot yeah, you know the draft capital is certainly nice, but um, I, I think I think we have to be careful giving teams too much credit. And and Seattle has certainly been uh, successful in in recent years. Obviously, uh, lots of playoff runs for them. I think last year was the first year they had missed the playoffs. But I mean, we know what that offensive line is like right now. We know that they haven't had a running game since Marshawn Lynch. And I think back to last year when people were drafting John Rossi because of draft capital. And, uh, you know, just because the Bengals make a bad pick doesn't mean we should value that player highly in Dynasty. And I'm, I'm starting to think it might be a, a case of the same thing here. You know, it seems like everybody except Seattle viewed Penny as the third or fourth or fifth back in this class. Um, and... I'm just not sure we should give him that check mark for draft capital based on one team, you know, reaching for him. Basically, uh, I, I, you you mentioned the ADP. I did think, of course, I was surprised by that pick, Dan. Like you mentioned, I was surprised to hear that when it happened. Uh, but uh, the the first thing I thought is we we've got a new 1.02. I thought with that draft capital, with um, a landing spot, regardless of the situation there he's, he's certainly in line to be the starter and and they've already called him the the uh, every down back as you mentioned uh, i thought he would be uh, almost the runaway favorite to be the 1.02 i was surprised when uh later in the weekend when i started collecting some adp and and we've got that just about done now he settled in uh as the fourth player off the board uh and and the second player we can we can get to him later, but it it wasn't even close. the The top two seemed to be uh, pretty well locked in, which which I was really surprised to see. So let's get to that second player. It's Darius Geis. Uh, landed in Washington. The slide ended late in the second round to a lot of dynasty owners' uh, chagrin, or or maybe to to some other ones uh, wiping their brow and and saying, "Woo, finally, thank you." Uh, Geis is that second running back 
uh, and second overall pick, according to your ADP, Ryan. Uh, while we watched that, that draft unfold and finally saw his name called, uh, I think both of us were of the relieved category when we, when we saw him drafted. What are your thoughts on Darius Geis landing in Washington with those other tailbacks already in place? Uh, I think I also view that as a good spot. I'm um, obviously not worried with Samaj P. Ryan or, or Rob Kelly there. I mean, those guys ha- have proven, I think, that they're replaceable. Uh, we have we have already seen some comments from from Jay Gruden basically calling him a two-down back. So I think, I think that's even though – we're not even to May yet as, as we're recording this show. I, I think that's something to at least consider uh, when you're making picks in, in this top five range that Chris Thompson is going to be a factor. You know, we, we mentioned Chubb maybe not catching too many balls. Guys, it could be the same situation for him. But, yeah, he was in our ADP. He was almost the unanimous 1.02 pick. Uh, he went second overall in nine out of ten drafts I ran. The only one he went third in, it was actually receiver DJ Moore who went ahead of him. So he was the second running back drafted in all 10 mocks. That's certainly interesting and something to keep in mind as these rookie drafts start, Matt. Darius Geis, if if you're on the clock today and you have the second pick, Barkley's already off the board, are you picking Geis? I I think I still am. I I, I understand the concerns about Chris Thompson there and and taking receptions away and him having whatever whatever it was, 32 catches and 35 career games at LSU – but I just I just love the player, and I think he the talent will like will rise to the top. I know that's a little bit cliche, but in this case, I think he's better than any of the big backs on the roster. And I honestly I think he can catch if if they give him an opportunity to. I know they want Chris Chris Thompson in that role, but if they need to to keep him on the field for three downs, uh, then <laughs> I think he can do it. I think he'll be okay there. Uh, that the the comments from Gruden are a little bit concerning, of course, but I just I'm more comfortable with his talent despite the. You know, maybe not the pass catching acumen or, or, or the opportunity over other guys that have a little bit more questions, whether it's Penny, Chubb, Michelle, Jones, any of these guys. You know, I just like the player better than all of them. So I think I'm still taking him 102, and that might be foolish in a PPR league. I'm not sure, but uh, I just like him better than everybody else there. Me too. I'd be taking Geis as well. Let's talk about Carrion Johnson a little bit, fellas. Matt, he goes early in the second round. The Lions actually trade up to get Carrion Johnson and pass on Darius Geis, who was routinely mocked to the Lions. Uh, Johnson is a guy that that was outside of my top 12 to start the whole draft process. Uh, The fact that the Lions traded up for him is a feather in his cap. The fact that he's picked early in the second round alongside these other tailbacks that we've already talked about is another feather in his cap. I still have a a hard time moving carry on Johnson all that high up those rankings. How do you feel about Johnson and his upside in Detroit? I think we might have to wait a, wait a year, but I think he is the long-term, really the long-term uh, answer there. Uh, we have, what's his face? LeGarrette Blunt uh, in the, in the, in the big back role this year, but he hasn't always been healthy throughout his career. We have Abdullah that kind of does a little bit of everything and has been very disappointing. And then of course, where he's going to be limited by the pass catching as long as the Riddick's in town. So, you know, I, I think his upside is a little captain year one, but I, I mean, I've, I think he's one of those guys, what was it? Elliot compared him to, Uh, Draymond Green he's good at everything not great at anything so I think that's the kind of back that Detroit needs I think the most concerning aspect of that landing spot for me is that they've They've, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I apologize, uh, but they have uh, they they have the fewest carry one of the fewest carries in uh, totals in the league over the last couple of years. They seem to be a very short pass heavy offense with uh, with Jim Bob Cooter there and, and Stafford and, and those all those receiver ta- receiving talents that they have there. So unless they're going to change their offensive, you know, really their 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 mo, then and I don't know how much how many touches he's going to get in year one, and, and they might be a little bit capped by the volume going forward too. Whether it's just from from pure touches or you know the PPR upside with with theoretic there but I do like it I, I wish they had taken Geiser that was my ideal landing spot for him was in Detroit I thought he could probably could have beat out Blunt right away and just kind of took over that role but uh, you know carry on Johnson he's fine I, I, I don't hate the spot he's he's right in that mix, same mix with, with Chubb and, and Penny and, and Michelle for me so he's right in that mix I'm happy if I'm at the five, pe- five spot and I can't trade down he's the last one available I'm, I'm fine, fine taking him there Hmm, interesting. I'm not nearly as high on Carrion Johnson. Ryan, teach me something. Where's he falling in that ADP, and how do you feel about that landing spot? 
Yeah, certainly like the landing spot. Again, not not worried about really any of their backs. I mean, I think Blunt and, and Riddick have roles, uh, pretty clearly defined roles there, but uh, I think there's a lot of room uh, between the 20s for carry-on to, to get on the field and to perform. I, I had heard some some discussion, I guess, that that their offense has, has hesitated in, in the past few years to commit to one back. And that was, that was said as a criticism uh, against maybe Johnson's upside. But when you look at what they've had, uh, especially Amir Abdullah being a disappointment, you know, why would they commit to any one back? They've, they've had to kind of shake it up and, and try some different players in those roles. So that doesn't, um, that doesn't worry me at all. Again, kind of the same thing we've said with some of these other backfields cream rise to the top and and he seems like the most talented player uh on that roster to me most talented running back on that roster and that kind of goes along with the the same thing about the passing volume maybe maybe if they had some more talent like carry on johnson maybe they would run the ball more than they have so uh as far as his value um his adp is 10.1 really uh, clustered in with uh, a, a few other players late in that first round range that 10.1 ADP actually makes him the ninth player off the board. So yeah, Matt is a little bit higher maybe than the consensus. Okay. I have him currently at number 13. So, so the numbers you're talking about don't scare me all that much. Maybe I'm a little lower than the majority. Matt, did you have something to add? I was, I was just saying if I, if I'm in that spot, I, I mean, DJ Moore is probably the pick at five, the smart pick, but I would just rather keep taking the running back. So, I mean, if that's what's left out of those, those top six or set, five or six running backs, that, that's just where it would fall for me. I just don't want to take a receiver in the first round really in this draft. So do you like, you like Johnson over Freeman and Rashard Penny? See, I, 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 <laughs> It's really hard to answer. It's really hard to answer. Those are all like just one big mess for me right now, and I'm happy to take whichever one falls to you know whichever one's the cheapest at that point. In terms of like the player themselves, I like Johnson as the player better than Royce Freeman. Um, Probably not Rashad Penny, but I like the landing spot better than Penny. So Mm -hmm. I just really need to sit down and figure out you know what which which parts of these that I value more and kind of kind of set up uh, my my tiers and my rankings, I guess. But right now they're just kind of a big mess, like I said. Matt, you sound a lot like I have the last few days. <laughs> I just like one second I'm like, oh yeah, it's totally guys. Oh wait, no, maybe Penny because of the draft capital land spot. The next spot, oh well, the, you know, New England invested a first round back, so they must be the guy. Jones is such a good landing spot. It's just like everybody except for Barkley has some kind of wart and some kind of uh, attractive benefit too. So uh, I, I, I just I don't know. I don't know right now. <laughs> I mean, whether it's perception or, or or reality or what I feel like people are at least a little disappointed whether it's landing spot or draft capital or or whatever in Geis Chubb and Sony Michelle so I feel like those three have kind of come down a little bit post draft I feel like carry on Johnson Royce Freeman and uh and Jones Ronald Jones have all risen up and then you've got Penny somewhere in the middle there. So now you have seven running backs with really very little value difference between any saying, of them. Yeah. And that's that's why the second tier, in, in my opinion, goes from 1.02 to 1.11. Yeah, totally. I, I totally right with you. I think the reason why I have maybe Johnson ahead of a couple of those guys is I, I like the fact that they traded up for him. And, I mean, not that that means everything, anything every year, but last year that's what happened with, with Kareem Hunt. So – uh, and and Kamara too, if I'm if I'm if I'm remembering right. Um, but so so I like that that they went up and got the guy. They 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 specifically targeting him and they made the moves to go get him. So I like that. Yeah, that's a really good point. I've thought about that in the past as well. Teams that really like players go get them and and are aggressive to get them. Usually that doesn't mean they're going to be sitting on the bench. Hey there, this is Tom Kislingberry of the Read and React podcast. Have you ever wished you could be an NFL general manager? I'm sure you've watched Kevin Costner in Draft Day this week. I know I have. Well, now you can, thanks to Reality Sports Online. It's a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team just like an NFL general manager, Kevin Costner. Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel like Kevin Costner and features a revolutionary free agency auction room 
which mimics NFL free agency, enabling fancy owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts, just like Kevin Costner. The platform can host up to 32 teams and has tons of other cool features in addition to free agency, like a rookie draft, just like Kevin Costner did, multi-team trades, just like Kevin Costner did, franchise tags, contract extensions, first round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, much, much, much more. So test your general manager skills, just like Kevin Costner, for free at realitysportsonline.com in a mock free agency auction. And if you like what you see, use the promo code DLF10 and receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Just like Kevin Costner. We've talked about tailbacks just about enough for our listeners, I imagine. Let's move to wide receivers, fellas. I'm going to start off this one for the best landing spot. Uh, Much like I mentioned with the Tampa Bay running back situation, I had a few prime landing spots in mind for wide receivers. I know I was looking for the San Francisco 49ers to pick a wide receiver. They did. I I would be excited, of course, if the Packers took a wide receiver because he'd be attached to Aaron Rodgers and there's potentially an opportunity there as well. And then the last one was the Atlanta Falcons. I thought if, if, there could be an opportunity for one of these top-end receivers, and I see Kelvin Ridley as the best receiver in this class. I've said that since before the draft. Um, if there was an opportunity to, to be across from Julio Jones and, and have Matt Ryan throwing you the football, there would be an opportunity for that guy to catch a lot of passes and potentially early in his career. When Ridley landed there, I was giddy. I am, to be honest with you, uh, I think that is the best, the premier landing spot of any player throughout the entire draft, and I am just smitten with it. I have been watching closely over the last few days to see how many others are, and it doesn't appear that all that many dynasty owners out there are. So um, hopefully that's going to push Calvin Ridley down draft boards, and I'm able, able to get him in the second half of the first round of these rookie drafts, because I feel like Ridley is... Is, is potentially the best the best fit outside of Saquon Barkley in this draft and really, really feel like in a few years we could be talking about Calvin Ridley being the best wide receiver and potentially the guy that should have gone second overall in rookie drafts. Guys, who are your best landing spots for, from the draft at wide receiver? I think you, I, I definitely like the Ridley landing spot as well. We we talked a lot about that one, uh, Dan. The other a couple others that stood out to me. I really like Christian Kirk in Arizona. Just uh, opportunity, if nothing else. Um, they lost a couple players, uh, John Brown and and Jerron Brown after last season, and lots of holes to fill there. So I'm excited to see Kirk in Arizona, especially paired with. Uh, Josh Rosen, I think they had a solid draft all around. And then I think the one we have to give some attention to is Michael Gallup in in Dallas. Of course, they lost Des Bryant. Uh, looks like they're going to lose Jason Witten as well. And Ryan um, Switzer, of course, <laughs> Ryan Switzer. We have to mention that. But yeah, just so many so many targets um, uh, available. And and we had talked earlier pre draft and had one of our guests. I, wish I could remember who, but had, had said that Gallup was one of the most pro ready receivers in this, in this draft class. So that's a great pairing. Uh, if, if he's a, a pro ready step right in and make a difference type of receiver on a team that certainly needs a difference maker right away. Yeah. I can't argue with the landing spot there. I just, I don't know if I don't, I don't see a true NFL wide receiver one in Michael Gallup. Maybe they don't need that in Dallas. I don't know. Um, you mentioned Kirk Ryan, that, that, that was going to be my, my answer for best landing spot because I, I just love the fact that he's going to go there and he's going to learn the slot from Fitzgerald. That just makes my heart happy. So I'm very excited about that. I, I really, honestly, I think the top six receivers I got drafted, uh, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Cortland Sutton, Dante Pettis, Kirk Miller, and, 
and, and Miller, those guys all landed in really great spots. You know, Pettis, you can't argue with that. That was That's Matt Waldman's pre-draft wide receiver one, and it's a spot with certainly a lot of opportunity. Cortland Sutton gets to go to a place, and, and I mean, he's been comp to Demarius Thomas several times, and he gets to go and learn from Demarius Thomas and Manuel Sanders there. Um, Ridley, like you mentioned, and DJ Moore, I think, really is going to, I mean, honestly, I, I know everybody's higher on Funchess than I am. I've always been down on Funchess, and I think DJ Moore is talented enough to not only play the slot role, but also play out, excuse me, play outside uh, a little bit too so I think there's potential that he could even outproduce uh, uh, Funchess maybe even in year one Steve Smith called him his, his spirit animal so you gotta like that uh, one guy a little bit down the way that the landing spot I really like too is Kiki Cutie he landed in Houston you know that's I think that's going to be really good he, he, I think he he can play outside very well but I think he'll, he can do very well in the slot too with 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 uh, playing in the middle while Fuller is on the outside and of course Hopkins on the other side so I really like that one as well and Callaway despite all the <laughs> the joining Josh Gordon and being bad a landing spot because he's going to go hang out with Josh Gordon and maybe a bad influence on, on someone who maybe has some questionable um, issues as well. Um, but I, I mean, I, I like that landing spot too. I think he's our, I think he's probably more talented than Corey Colvin already. And, and if he can keep his head out of wa- uh, above water, then, then he could have a, a nice, nice role there in Cleveland too for, for Mayfield. You know, fellas, I think the wide receiver position is so interesting this year because of all those running backs that we talked about before, because there's so many in a group right there, and you could probably include a couple of these wide receivers. We'll get to DJ Moore, talk about him a little bit more coming up, uh, that, that mix in with all those running backs we spoke of. That's pushing a lot of these names that we're talking about right now down draft boards. And some of them are landing into the second round and even pushed down to the middle of the second round. There's definitely going to be some value in rookie drafts. Uh, it's interesting, Matt, that you mentioned Callaway as as one of potentially the best landing spots. I actually had him earmarked as one of the, the, the negatives for me. And for the reasons that you mentioned, I just thought that's a little bit of an odd fit. And it's interesting that the Browns went that direction football-wise to me. Uh, Ryan, are there any negative landing spots for you among the wide receivers? I think there's a few that could be viewed as negative, but honestly, I, I like the fit. Um, Cortland Sutton in Denver, I know some were concerned with that, automatically putting him behind Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, to me, they're just they're drafting a replacement uh, for, those, for those guys, or, or at least for Thomas specifically. Uh, I think maybe they got their Sanders replacement later in the draft. But in, in Sutton's case, he was a player that we've said all along would need a year or two to transition to the NFL, and that landing spot is is a good one to make that happen. Another one that people are concerned with that is a little tougher to defend maybe is James Washington in Pittsburgh. Um, looks like he's going to be buried behind um, – behind Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster maybe maybe for years to come. AB is is getting up there but he's has has not shown any signs of slowing down. So, you know, Washington could could be a, a long-term project, but they they've been able to find receivers and find ways to uh, allow those receivers to produce for years really dating back to uh, Brown and Wallace and guys like that. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders included uh, over the past 10 years or so. As far as just a, a negative landing spot in general, um, yeah, it's honestly tough to see one with, with the wide receivers. Uh, I, I guess maybe DJ Chark. Uh, he was not a player I loved anyway, but I don't know how a speed guy fits with Bortles. There's, it feels like there's four or five wide receivers there that all have about the same value. There weren't many landing spots that would have had me interested in him in general, but this one certainly will keep me away. Yeah, I was I was really glad. I was not a fan of that player, so I was glad to see him go to a team that I, I don't really care about the passing offense either. Just kind of get him out of the way. Um, so that was that was my bad landing spot. The other one that I thought of, of course, was James Washington, and that that one just broke my heart. When the Packers passed on him in the second round, I was just like, oh, come on, guys, just go get James. <laughs> uh, they did follow up with uh, Jamon Moore, though. It was a very interesting prospect. And then – they drafted EQSB. They drafted Equinavia Saint Brown in the sixth round. After I was like, 
Uh, the tweet I said was, uh, who, I, I, I'm going to have to look up his name so I don't, I don't get it wrong here. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I'm sure I'm the only one listening right now, but I had never even heard that name before in the pre-draft process, so I know nothing about this guy. But they took him ahead of EQSB, and they still got him, and then they got uh, uh, Jamon Moore also in the, in the fourth round. So uh, Packers certainly hammered wide receiver there. Um, what do you, as as a as a St. Brown guy, Ryan? What does this do to him for for you? Are you taking him in the second round now? Is he even in the late second at this point? This this is this is really sad. <laughs> I, I I shed lots of tears over this. I actually, I think Saturday afternoon, I I got physically sick, and at first I thought maybe it was just uh, too much time doing nothing except sitting in front of the TV for the past, the previous two or three days. And, but the more I thought about it, it, it may have been due to equinemius falling so far that I think that's m- maybe what did it. The crazy thing is, okay. So he was, he was my wide receiver too pre-draft. Um, clearly a, a guy I was a big fan of. I did not think he'd be the second wide receiver drafted, but I did think he'd be a day two pick. And uh, he was, he was barely barely drafted at all looking at this ADP he is firmly in the second round his ADP is 19 right now 19.1 so putting him in in the middle of that second round I'm glad to see there's a lot of people still on on the train I'm still there I'm I'm still a fan but I just can't see how you can use a second round rookie pick in, in this class with so many options so many awesome landing spots quarterback depth a couple of nice tight ends. I don't see how you can use your second round pick on a sixth rounder and, and the third wide receiver drafted by a specific and, and team. Wasn't this the same around the same spot where, he, where they took Yancey and Malachi Dupree last year, who were also, you know, preseason hype machines and, and both of them are, 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 you know, they're, they're gone now. So uh, it's going to be tough for for St. Brown. Yeah. So like I said, I mean, I'll, I'm going to keep cheering for him. I hope, um, I hope he can become a big time factor in green Bay. That's already, um, if I had to pick a favorite team, that, that would be the one I would choose along with you guys. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're picking him anywhere, really anywhere inside the top 30 of, of your rookie draft, you're, you're doing yourself an injustice there. So an interesting case study to me as more of this data comes about, Ryan, and as we go along, is to see where these other Packers receivers, I know all the information isn't in just yet, uh, where these other two wide receivers that were drafted by the Packers land in that ADP, because it feels to me like those guys are going to slide down, even though they were drafted higher than St. Brown, and that Packers front office does think more highly of them. Uh, Dynasty owners are probably overdrafting ESBA, B and passing on these other options who might be better ones. Yeah, Moore is uh, Moore's getting some attention, um, kind of a wide range, anywhere from late 20s to being undrafted. It, it looks like his ADP is going to fall in that late third round range. Uh, I would be grabbing him all day long in the late third or, or obviously anywhere in the fourth round. And then uh, Valdez Scantling, I don't think has gotten drafted at all yet in, in our 10 mock drafts. So Matt, I know you said that you hadn't you hadn't heard of Valdez Scantling. I actually have, but that was only because I went through the list of of players that had an official visit in Green Bay and he was on that list. So I had an opportunity to look at him before the draft and man that guy's fast, but I don't know if we can say anything else about him. Let's go back to the top of this wide receiver board. A majority of dynasty owners everywhere will have DJ Moore at the top of their wide receiver ranks when they start their rookie drafts. Moore is a really interesting prospect. I really, really like him. I, I Honestly, I thought I was way ahead of the curve when I liked DJ Moore coming out of Maryland months ago, and it seems like everybody caught up to the point that now everybody likes Moore as their top receiver, and I'm still holding on to Calvin Ridley. Ryan, where does Moore fall in this ADP? I imagine he is among all those running backs we spoke of earlier. He is. He's he's right in the middle of the running backs. He is the sixth player overall. Pretty easily the wide receiver one. His ADP is uh, is actually five point three, and then the next wide receiver after him, uh, actually both Ridley and Cortland Sutton are tied with the ten point two ADP. So again, pretty sizable gap between Moore and the next guy off the board. 
So anybody that's a Ridley fan like myself or a Sutton fan like many others out there will be happy to see that those two wide receivers are pushed down actually all the way to the point that they're at the end of the first round. Ryan, you filled me in a little bit earlier. We even saw Ridley in those ADP or in those uh, mock drafts that you did fall as far as number 12 overall, which is absolute stealing. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on Cortland Sutton? That's a pretty nice landing spot, as Ryan was talking about earlier. I really liked it. I like the fact that he can learn from a couple of real professional receivers. Uh, your thoughts on on Cortland Sutton? Yeah, I, I like it. I like the fact that uh, that that Dallas or Dallas that Denver ha- kind of hammered wide receiver there after getting uh, Bradley Chubb in the first round. Um, and I, I think that's a great spot for him because it's not going to have too much pressure to produce in year one. He's got those two great veterans in front of him that he can learn from. Um, I like it quite a bit. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot out of him this year. You'll, he, I think he will certainly get on the field. But, you know, pretty soon we could be looking at a, a wide receiver core, including him and, and Carlos Henderson as, as two of the starters. So I, I, I don't hate it at all. So he's a guy that's going to be pushed into the second round in some draft, high second round, late first, and a championship contending team that gets Cortland Sutton as a developmental prospect at wide receiver. It certainly fits in. Last couple guys I want to talk about and hit on for sure, fellas. Dante Pettis landing in San Francisco. Man, the draft capital was nice there, attached to that quarterback. That's pretty exciting. Uh, I really liked the landing spot. I was really excited about it. Then I did my rankings, and I had a hard time fitting him in uh, real high and show that I liked him that much. The other guy, Anthony Miller, landing in Chicago. Matt, touch on these two receivers and and your thoughts on their landing spots. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was aware of Pettis. I didn't really have him that high on my board until we had Matt Walwin on. He said that he had him the wide receiver one. So I mean, that 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 means a lot to me. And I think the opportunity is there in San Francisco. Pierre Garcon is probably going to be the leading target getter in in, uh, in twenty eighteen. But Pettis, you know, he certainly has plenty of opportunity there. I think it'll be him and, and Goodwin and. Uh, um, of course, Garcon there, I think in year one and Anthony Miller, like is, is a guy that rose up my boards too. Like I, I just love him after I've watched him and learned a little bit more about the player and you can't argue for a better spot there really either across from Allen Robinson in Chicago. I think Chicago may have had the best draft in the entire NFL. Honestly, I, I just, I love almost every single pick they made this year, which as a Packer fan, of course, makes me very sad, but, uh, I think Miller is, is going to be, I think he's going to produce in year one. I, I, I really think he is. Ryan, anything to add on those two? Yeah, Pettis was uh, was a guy I liked a lot. Really, throughout the whole uh, the past season, I guess uh, I think I've said it before on here that I I tuned in to watch some John Ross games last year and and couldn't uh, couldn't keep from watching Pettis. He was he was the one making the impressive plays, in my opinion. Uh, before the draft, he had a fourth round ADP, and I was uh, I had already penciled him in on so many of my rosters with late third round picks, early fourth round picks, and of course that's all gone away now that uh, San Francisco made him the fourth wide receiver drafted. Uh, his ADP is all the way up to uh, 18 overall, middle of that uh, second round range, and and if you really want him, you probably have to take him even a little bit earlier than that. Pretty pretty wide range on him. He went he went as early as 13 in our mocks, as late as 25. So it it looks like it's going to be a rare occasion for him to fall out of the uh, out of the second round. The last guy I want to talk about among the wide receivers is my guy Deion Kane. Anybody that listened to our mock drafts over the last few weeks leading up to the draft noticed, I'm sure, that Deion Kane was my second round pick in each of them or fell late in the second in most of them. Uh, so Kane lands in Indianapolis, which is a pretty nice landing spot to look at it, but he's not drafted till the sixth round. And we talked about those Packers receivers that, that were drafted after others, even, even others that many had not, hadn't heard of. Kane was actually drafted after another wide receiver, Doris Fountain from Northern Iowa, who was picked in the fifth round by the Colts. That's probably not a great sign. Uh, I assume that Kane's ADP will slide down uh, now that he's been uh, avoided more than five times by each team in the NFL. Ryan, fill me in on Deion Kane. Where can I plan on drafting him this year? Yeah, Dan, you, I think you were using late second rounders on him in the mock. It looks like you can probably uh, plan to use a late third rounder on him uh, in in your real drafts coming up. I I feel like he's 
pretty similar value-wise to St. Brown. Uh, I think they both landed in in nice spots with at least opportunity to uh, to get some early playing time. And of course, they're both tied to uh, some of the top quarter, couple of the top quarterbacks in the game, pending uh, Andrew Luck's health. Uh, with Kane, I guess the difference is he wasn't being drafted or being valued as highly as St. Brown was pre-draft. So St. Brown falls to the middle of the second. Kane falls to the end of the third. Uh, that's that's probably the value gap. But honestly, we should we should probably be valuing both of these guys kind of the same in that uh, somewhere just outside of the top 30 overall. I wanted to give a quick shout out to a guy in one of my leagues, Tyler Schmidt. He uh, he's a track coach at a at a, at a high school. I believe in um, in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, and he saw he actually coached against Doris Fountain when he was a track star, and took one look at him, and he said he has a he retweeted a tweet to me from like 2014, maybe something like that, and said that this kid does not look like a track star; he looks like a wide receiver. So there you go, he got drafted as a wide receiver by the Colts. Look at Matt, inside information right there. <laughs> That's right, feet on the ground. We're running out of time, fellas, but let's quickly hit the tight end and quarterback positions. Uh, Hayden Hurst, surprise top tight end for all of us, I'm sure. Landing in Baltimore is no surprise, I would say. Ozzy Newsom has been known to pick uh, tight ends regularly. My guy, Mike Gusecki, uh probably seen as the top tight end now that landing spots are out there. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that ADP will tell you that. I've heard from many people and seen on Twitter that people are concerned about landing in Miami and and their lack of usage with the tight end in the past. I'm I'm not quite as worried. I feel like uh, Miami needs that tight end, needs a vertical threat there. Gasecki is exactly that, and he has the the a prime opportunity to make an impact and and potentially make that impact early. What are your thoughts, Ryan, about this tight end class? And is there a favorite for you or a sleeper or really anything else you want to add? Yeah, I think the tight end class might be the biggest disappointment of the entire draft. I mean, coming in, you had Gasecki Goddard, uh, you had Andrews and Hurst, and then you had a couple sleepers further down the line. Uh, I don't think any of them landed in great landing spots, so that's that's frustrating. Obviously, Goddard in Philadelphia behind Zach Ertz when when he was one pick away from maybe being the the next starter in Dallas. Uh, Hurst and Andrews, although I didn't really love either player as a prospect, uh, both both ending up with the uh, the Ravens is is a little surprising, and uh, at least value wise, they kind of cancel each other out right now. I'm sure. Uh, one of them would emerge, and and I would bet on uh, bet on that to be Hurst, uh, and then I think Gasecki basically kind of reigns supreme pretty easily, uh, almost by default among this tight end group. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Uh, Gasecki was probably my tight end two heading into it, but he definitely got the best landing spot. I was surprised the Saints didn't take anybody. That's who I was really hoping would take a tight end. So that was disappointing. Uh, Goddard. <laughs> My tight end one landed behind a top five tight end already, and I guess he's going to be the new Trey Burton. I don't know, so we're going to have to wait several years for him to really or, – or, or wait on an injury, I guess, for him to really kind of capitalize on that. Um, my third tight end, though, Mark Andrews, I'm actually – despite the puzzling nature of the Ravens, Ravens taking two tight ends, <laughs> you know, not too far apart in, in the draft um, – you know, Andrews can't block at all. So I have to imagine he's going to be an okay fantasy asset, whether it's with, uh, with, with Flacco this year or Lamar Jackson in the future. So I kind of think that he's sneaky. Ryan, what is the ADP on, on Andrews right now? Is he dipping into the third round? That's, round? that's the upside. Yeah, that's the upside <laughs> for him so, probably. Um, still, still some incomplete data right now on, on him. We're waiting on a couple of the drafts to finish up. But right now it looks like Andrews is a late third rounder. Hurst is a mid mid third rounder. Yeah, so I would rather just take Andrews. I know Hurst has the higher draft capital and everything, but I, I have to imagine that he's going to be in there blocking more than Andrews is. So if I'm going to take a shot on one of these tight ends uh, and it's not Gasecki, it's probably going to be Andrews in that late third, early fourth round. Ryan, fill us in on the others. Gasecki, Goddard, where are they falling in your ADP? Yeah, Gasecki uh, was was a riser from uh, 
post-draft, he's up to uh, an ADP of 21.5. That actually makes him the 19th player off the board with the way it works out. So he's, he's right behind St. Brown, so he should be one spot higher if you want to view it that way. Uh, Goddard is, is still hanging on that tight end two spot based on uh, talent and draft capital, I guess we could say. And he's looking like a late second, early third rounder. And then, as I mentioned, Hurst in the mid-third, Andrews in the late-third. Uh, one guy that that maybe didn't get much attention, he was a day-three pick, and, and not a player I loved coming in, but Troy Fumagalli landing in Denver. Uh, I'm not I'm not ready to hand this job to, to Jake Butt. I think Fumagalli could, could maybe be another player to make a pretty quick impact in year one. Yeah, Fumagalli from Wisconsin is a pass-catching prospect. He's not much for inline blocking, and, and Denver has has looked uh, for for a few years for that next pass-catcher at the position. Fumagalli could fill that position. He's a name worth monitoring for sure, and if you have a, a late, late draft pick and want to throw it at a tight end, especially in tight end pr- premium, he's a name to remember. Quickly, fellas, let's go to the quarterback position it's certainly interesting for those of us in super flex league uh we can probably breeze over the fact that baker mayfield went 101 but we can't breeze over the fact that that's some big draft capital and they're obviously look sooner than later going to hand the keys to that browns off as over to him matt where does breaker mayfield fall in your rookie rankings at least among quarterbacks i think he's got to be one he was my two pre-draft with lamar jackson uh, at one and i still like lamar the best amongst this group but you know he's gonna have to wait for for joe to move on um or maybe he'll take his job in year two i don't think it'll happen this year but just because baker's gonna be the guy i think in your your one after tyra loses a few games I, I don't know how you can can argue with that i guess i guess darnold might see the field sooner um, than any of these guys, but I think Mayfield is my my uh, quarterback one in, in Dynasty right now. How about you, Ryan? W- which quarterback grabs your attention most and is at the top of your board? Yeah, it's, it's Mayfield for me as well. Um, entering the draft, I had uh, my top three were Jackson, uh, Mayfield and Rosen, and those those remain my top three. I did I would move Jackson down to three uh, with Mayfield and Rosen as the top two. Just really excited about Mayfield's weapons there in Cleveland. I, I mentioned this on Twitter earlier. With the the draft pick of Nick Chubb, Cleveland now has seven of the top 100 players in our current Dynasty ADP, which is which is easily the most of any team. Uh, which is kind of surprising, uh, based on uh, obviously based on their record over the past few seasons, but. They have uh, they've gotten the talent. They've they've got the assets. We'll just see if they can uh, turn that into some wins now. But yeah, those those top three are all still pretty close for me: Mayfield, Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. I'd say I love Rosen's landing spot, man. I, I the fact that he gets to, to to sit for a little bit. He's got that attitude. He said he's he's making his list. You know of who he's gonna he's gonna make everybody pay for for passing on him. And you know I think one of the biggest knocks on Rosen has been. His, his kind of propensity for staying in the pocket too long and, and holding on the ball a little bit for too long. And, and that's one of the things that Sam Bradford is, is the best at, is getting out that ball quick. So if he can pick that up from him and learn a, bit, a little bit from Fitzgerald, I, I just I really like that landing spot for Rosen. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I had Jackson 1, Mayfield 2, and Rosen 3 leading up to the draft. And I actually have Rosen at my top spot right now. Just uh, I see that upside. Mayfield's a very, very close second, and there may be places where I prefer him depending on how my – how my roster's built and things like that. Uh, maybe I might need a quarterback earlier in a super flex or something like that. So that might change things. Uh, but they're all still very close, uh, especially Mayfield and Rosen for me. Uh, you know, one interesting nugget from the draft for me was the fact that the Steelers drafted both Mason Rudolph and James Washington. I really thought that was an interesting nugget. I know a lot of people have talked about it, but I, I seem to, I can't stop thinking about it, really, if that was something they were trying to do. I'm wondering, to you guys, is there any chance in super flex leagues that you're going to try to do the same thing? Um, I mean, I don't hate it. I don't necessarily try to go out and acquire, you know, to double up points or whatever every week with the quarterback and the wide receiver target. Uh, I have done it in some bigger leagues uh, where, where you kind of really need that high upside. 
Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't hate trying to get both those guys in Superflex League. Where is Rudolph going? Oh, we don't have Superflex ADP yet. But I would imagine Rudolph is probably going to be a third round pick, maybe a late second, and in a Superflex format. And and I, I would don't hate going out and get him right there if you can, and pairing up with with uh, his wide receiver. Why not? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Maybe James Washington is that guy that falls late into the first or even early second, and then you get get the quarterback or the future quarterback of the Steelers late in the second or early in the third, and I thought it would be an, an interesting thought. Uh, just one of those things that I wonder if, if the NFL game or the NFL draft translates to rookie drafts. Fellas, anything else we want to add to the show? Uh, Ryan, anything from the ADP that needs to be mentioned? Uh, I think I think we pretty well covered it. I, again, just really uh, that that entire first round outside of Barkley is is one big tier. So you know, take that as you take that as you would to to fit your your team needs or or your likes of players. If you're sitting with the the three pick and and you want Ronald Jones, I would say just go ahead and take him. Don't think you can trade down to the late first and grab him. Uh, this is we want to use ADP, especially from two to twelve overall, pretty pretty loosely. It, it's it's just one big group, and they're going to go in a million different orders in in every league. Matt, nothing to add. <laughs> uh, no, I, I agree totally with what Ryan said. We didn't really. One of the last note I, I had uh, written down was we didn't talk about worst landing spot for quarterback. But uh, I, I mean, we there's a lot of hatred piled on Josh Allen, but I'm really worried about him in Buffalo. Last year, 31st in pass blocking, and they are down three offensive linemen from last year. Cordy Legillen was traded to uh, the Bengals. Eric Wood retired with a neck injury. Richie Octi- uh, Incognito's gone too. And one of the biggest problems I have with Allen is that he sees ghosts in the pocket, even when it's even when it's clean. There's nobody coming after you. Uh, he he takes off, <laughs> and that's not so good. And, and now I think he's going to have to be taking off. So uh, we'll see how that works out for him. I know he has that big, strong arm, and you want that in the cold weather. But I really worry about him, uh, especially if he's going to have any play time in, in year one. And he has no so, receivers. And he has no receivers, right? But he has, hey, he misses high that, all the time, say. though, right? So Kelvin Benjamin is going to have like fifteen hundred yards, twelve touchdowns. This Good stuff, fellas. That's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. For those of you doing rookie drafts this week, good luck. We hope you get your guy. Next week, we're sure to give you the mock that, you, uh, that you're going to need. So uh, thanks for listening this week. We'll catch you again next week. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks again for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Real smooth closing, Dan. (laughs) Nice work. Nice, 